we, we, had some, we had a few things that God was talking to us about, a few prophetic words when we were fasting, and, and God was speaking to us about it. And, and Isaiah 43 just has a whole bunch of it. You are precious and honored in my sight. I love you. Don't be afraid I am with you. God's desire for us is just to be so close and intimate, beyond what we recognize and beyond what we um, understand. This, this is really neat. I'll bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. You know, in our church, we've got a whole bunch of people whose um, children aren't necessarily worshipping at the moment or who have loved ones, mums, dads, brothers and sisters. And, and one of the exciting things, I've been praying with someone and others have been praying with um, a few couples for years and, and over this. We spoke this word out last year and uh, someone came up to me this morning and just because we're talking about one of the things we'll talk about in a little while is the concept of possession. But they've started to actually possess this word as one of their children has started coming back uh, to the kingdom and going back to church. And I'm just so excited that when the word of God goes forth, the Bible says that my word will not return to me void. So they've grabbed hold of this and been speaking it back to God. And now they're seeing their family turned around because of it, which is just really exciting. Um, I've revealed and saved and proclaimed. This is what God says over it. Chariots, this is one of my favorite things and something I really feel for this year, is that there's been a whole bunch of attack against the church, a whole bunch of the enemy coming in. We had people last year with cancer and, and people with relationship breakdowns, all sorts of things. Chariots, horses, and the armies that were coming against us lay destroyed at the bottom of the sea, never to rise again. And I believe this is a year of more of favor um, that we're walking in. Uh, with that, hello. No, it doesn't. It just exited me. Um, you go to the next one there, man. Awesome. I just declare and work in Jesus' name. Forget the former things. I do not dwell in the past. I'm doing a new thing. God's doing new stuff this year in our world and in our lives. And we're not to think, you know, so often we, we get our minds stuck in the things of yesterday. We get our minds stuck in the past, in the things that we've done. They're, they're some of the hardest things to get out of, out of your head. I, I often talk to people and they go, you know what? I can forgive, but how do I forget? I forgive, how do I forget? And God just says, don't dwell on that. Look at what's happening now. Set your eyes on the now, the now things I'm doing. Next one. I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. We were fasting when this came through last year, these words. And I was talking with someone this morning who, uh, um, they tried fasting for the first time. They were, they were just going through one of the roughest weeks. Um, their, their husband was going through surgery at the time, going through a real rough week and just going, this is just not going to be the week for it to fit. But then they went, okay. No, that's it. Wednesday. They just decided, that's it, I'm going to fast and, and I'm just going to give this day to God. And, and they did that. And as they did, all of a sudden, they've been having um, family issues for, for years, significant family issues that have caused stress and actually then caused them to have um, mental, like um, psychological diagnosed concerns and issues going on, like severe anxiety going on in their world. As they did this and fasted that day, all of a sudden a text message came through from this person and family they've been having issues with. And as that text message came through, it resolved problems and then the anxiety has lifted and not returned since that point. And I love people that, that begin to start taking possession 
of what God's got and the promises. And that's the water and the streams in the wasteland, in those difficult parts where God starts to firm up. And I'm just excited when the word goes forth and people start proclaiming the truth and proclaiming the things that um, that he's got about them. But as I've been praying about these things and just seeking God about, about what this looks like for us as a community here, um, the word that I keep getting and have kept getting over the last couple of months is this, is to actually possess and grab hold of this is that we need to be a people with a different spirit. A people who possess a different spirit. And in Numbers 14, we, we actually read about that. Hey, it's moving in my screen. That's cool. Um, Caleb. And, I, and I'm preaching about you tonight again, man. And uh, you get two messages today. That's fantastic. Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. See, here's the thing. God doesn't want you and he's not looking for a people who just look like everybody else. He doesn't want you to just be Joe Blow average. He doesn't want you to just be Sally mediocre. He wants... He's looking for people who are unique and different, and, and, and you get different. You, you understand it. And, and looking for people who are unique, who don't just go the same path. Because the reality is, if we want something new in God, if we want something that's starting out fresh or to grab hold of the promises, we can't do what we just did yesterday. We can't be the same as the world and expect the kingdom of God to rock up on our doorstep and to manifest itself where we are if we're just acting like everybody else acted and just doing the same things that everybody else is doing. We need to be different and possess a different spirit. God wants to say over you and to declare over you, here is my servant who carries a different spirit and they're going to possess the land and the promises that I have for them, not just them, but their descendants also. God wants to declare over you, you have a different spirit. You're unique. You're amazing. Those, those words there are fascinating. Different. Different comes. The first time we see different in the Bible, um, God's talking about that. He gave, here's the thing, Adam and Eve had kids. Like good brothers, Cain and Abel got on famously. So famously that Cain killed Abel. And um, my boys are just getting to that point where they're really starting to fight and um, hurt each other. I'm trying to teach them that hitting is not necessarily the answer for their solutions. Um, it's not working so well, my education process. I'm trying to work out how to educate them in this, but that, that, that's a learning we will go through. And, but, but Cain never got that learning. Because he took out Abel. And so what happened is the Bible says that God gave Adam and Eve a different son. Shem. Different. One who carried something that was different to Cain. The Bible says he was a different aspect to Cain. Cain carried a, a bitterness and an evil. But Shem carried heaven with him and a resource of heaven with him. Spirit as we know the fullness of who we are. God's spirit his essence and everything dwelt over the land. So anyway, we know the story that goes on here leading up to this. And, and you might not know where this verse is located in the Bible, but that's okay. But you'll know the story because Israelites built the pyramids. No aliens came down and built pyramids, okay? Egyptians, great big whips, and a whole bunch of Israelites that were there, built pyramids. And um, they, they were there and under slavery of Pharaoh, and then they came out. And God delivered them out, and they... All the, Israel, all the Egyptians gave them all their wealth. 
and they walked out with it out the door and the Egyptians got really upset and chased them with chariots and God opened the Red Sea and closed the Red Sea on the chariots and their army got destroyed and they walked along and they were going to a place, the land that God had promised their forefathers, the land that God had promised Abraham. Um, they'd been in Egypt 400 years and a couple hundred years before that, so about 600 years ago, God had said, this is where I want you to dwell. Longer than Australia's been around, this is where I want you to dwell and they hadn't been there. For centuries, hadn't been in that place. They met with God on Sinai and got the Ten Commandments and built a big cow and God and destroyed the big cow and God got happy and angry and happy and angry and they turned to God and turned away from God and turned to God and turned away from God. And then they get to the edge of the promised land. They come in their boat. Well, they weren't really in boats. They were walking. Here's the amazing thing. You know the whole time in the, when the Israelites were in the desert? So they, they end up walking around in circle for 40 years. Now, this is amazing. As a parent of active young boys, this is a miracle I would just love to see manifest itself. Their shoes did not wear out. Their shoes did not wear out. You have an active child in school, you know their shoes might not make it through the term before those things are blowing out. I want Israelite sandals from um, the Sinai Desert going on my, my children's feet. Anyway, so they get there and, and God tells Moses to send someone in from each tribe. So he gets these 12 guys and, and off they go and go be spies. It's just like they're like down, down in Tweed Heads and they go across the border and start spying out. It's like going in like origin time and sending people into like New South Wales origin camp just to sort of spy on their plays and who's doing what and what's going on. So they, they go around there for a few days and um, find out that this is just as the, everything was right. Wow, this place is amazing. This is absolutely awesome. They go and get grapes. And um, the Bible sort of talks about that. They bring the grapes back on a pole. So, I don't know, we get grapes that are this big. When I think about that, if you think, oh, they're looking at potentially grapes that are like, I don't know, even cricket ball-sized grapes. That is a, a meal in a grape sort of thing going on there. And then there's fig, all these big fruit uh, that they had there and love it. And then it's like, the Bible said there's a land flowing with milk and honey. Which, um, you know when you start thinking literally about the Bible? That's one of those really like yucky, sticky thoughts, isn't it? Like, if you're walking down the street and there's just like honey oozing everywhere. I hate sand on my feet. Honey would be worse because they're in the, there's like desert around. So you walk in the honey, then in the sand, it's like sandpaper going on. You need to do work on your house, that's all right. Just walk down the street. And then just move your foot up and down, getting the paint off, and you're all set. Um, but that verse actually means that what it was, it didn't just have the staples. There were luxuries in there. There were like the, the best of the best. So if we put it in our terms, there was ample provision of chocolate. Every house had a spa bath. And, and there was like air conditioning, ducted air conditioning through every room. And in winter, you've got a fireplace that's gone. There was just luxuries set up in this place. And so we know that they went in and, and they came back and said, Hey, Moses, this place is great, just as you said it was. And then 10 of them said, Yeah, but there's an issue. There's a problem with it. Have you seen the guys that live there? They're huge. Dude, they've actually been going to the gym. Those guys lift. They are giants, man. They've been working out. Their arms are the size of these grapes going on, and, and they just 
They're just massive. In actual fact, when we think about ourselves to them, we're like grasshoppers next to them. And they're just going to, if we go in a fight with these guys, they're just going to stomp on us. And it's just going to be like a, a crocodile biting down on a tube of toothpaste. They're always spurting out both ends. But that's, so they're just frightened about these guys and going, we can't go to war with them. And that there's a, um, all the cities, they have big walls around them. And we, we, we didn't come with any tanks or catapults. So we can't actually get through these walls. So we can't do it. And then one guy who went in, Caleb. Stories about Caleb. So he, he gets up and, and, and it says he just, and this is, this is essentially probably what happened. Shut up! It says he silenced the people. But if they're all whinging about this, the only way you can ever get that going on, it's not like he started sort of at the front of the class and went... <laughs> See? Um, they hadn't been through the same school, so they didn't know the clap thing to go on or going one, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. And New South Wales thing. A bit weird. But... Uh, so anyway, he silenced shut up! We should actually go and do this. We should actually go because this is what God's got for us. See, here's the thing about, I want to say a couple of things about a different spirit tonight, and it's one of the things is this. The first thing is this. People with a different spirit don't go with the flow. Let's see how good the guys are at the back. Look, there we go. People with a different spirit, they don't, Go with the flow. You can put up the next picture. That's all right. Because we see pictures like this. And um, I've, I've done teamwork things and I've shown pictures like this and gone, well, who is it? Who is it that's causing trouble in the team? And go, oh, it's the one going the, going the opposite way. But I always looked at those photos and thought to myself, but what if the other three are going towards a cliff? If they're rowing towards a waterfall, <laughs> that one's the... And that, that often happens, is that it's, we often think, oh, we've just got to join in and line up with everybody else. But people with a different spirit, they don't go just where everybody else is going. And show the next one, I'll put the little quote up. That's it. it takes a strong fish to swim against the current. Only the dead ones go with the flow. You know, salmon swim upstream to get to their, to their breeding grounds. I was watching a video of them this afternoon. They're nuts. They just leap up waterfalls. And then the bears are even more crazy because they're all standing in the middle of the waterfall trying to eat the salmon. And it's funny just watching the bears as the salmon goes past its head. You see the salmon giant. Oh. And he just goes back to look. There's lots of salmon make it part. Anyway, so they're going up, but only the dead ones go with the flow. See, we've got this saying um, in Christianity. Jesus said, like, essentially a paraphrase is this. Be in the world. Don't be of the world. Be in the world, but not... Of the world. See, when Jesus was praying for us in John 17, he, he prayed a prayer and he said, you know, these, these Lord, they're not of the world just as I'm not of this place. See, the reality is those with a different spirit. This is not our base camp. This is not our home. We just sung about it. Home. I know I'm home. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our origin point. Heaven is the place that actually feeds into us by God's spirit where heaven's values come into us, where heaven's resource comes into us, where heaven's way of viewing things and looking at things, that becomes our, our base point. We're not of this world, we're of God's world. But here's the thing, we still need to be in the world. It's not like we're trying to escape this place, 
because this place is blessed because of it. This place is able to receive prosperity because we're here. This place is able to receive redemption just because we're in it. You know, often we, we talk about that phrase, be in the world but not of the world, and um, when we talk to young people and teenagers, and thing, often we, we talk about, well, don't just be like your friends, don't do drugs, don't have sex. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more than just doing a couple of moral things. It's like, how do we act in our, in our school? How do we act in our classroom? What does the kingdom of heaven actually look like in a classroom? What does the kingdom... I wish I knew this as a teenager, but what's the kingdom of heaven look like in a classroom? Because heaven looks like respect for authority. Heaven looks like I'm going to get the most out of every situation that I'm in and get the most learning out of a situation that I'm in. What's it look like in a workplace? Now, I was in a workplace where it was the norm to steal from the workplace. If you've worked in fast food... You know, it, it's, it's normal culture within fast food to steal from the workplace. Some places set up that you can have so much on a shift and they try and counter it by actually giving something or giving a significant discount. But in a lot of fast food places, it just becomes normal culture. I'm just going to help myself to something now. I'm just going to make something for myself, which is actually theft. What does the kingdom of heaven look like in that situation? Oh, it's just normal here. We all make ourselves a burger. We all make ourselves a pizza. We all just do that when we're here. But what's the kingdom of heaven look like? It looks like going against the flow and actually swimming upstream. Because different spirited people don't go with the flow. So anyway, all the people kept talking. While Caleb's standing there, and they're all giving a... They're all chatting and, and going on. Caleb said, silence. We can do this. But they all just keep going. Keep going with the fact that this can't be done. We can't make it. So here's the second thing that different spirited people have. They've got a positive confession. We speak positively about things. And in some way you can say we're a glass half full people. Now I'm, I like science, so I say the glass is always full. Um, half full of water, half full of air, but um, that's the thing. But we, we're, we're positive confession people. I don't know if you'd be like me. I've been surrounded by a few people over the years that have a negative confession. Oh, you can't do that. That's rubbish. That can't happen. That'll never work. A defeated spirit, a limited spirit. Oh, they're bigger. They're, they're, they're faster. They just can't do it. They won't do it. I remember when I was buying my house. And um, Susan and I were getting married and buying a house. I had people tell me, why are you doing that? You'll never be able to afford it. What's, what are you going on buying a house for? That's just such a stupid idea. People around that, that just speak negatively and, and, and speak different. But different spirited people, they speak positively about things. They speak positively around. How do you view things? How do you view things when they're gone? I remember a few years ago, I um, before we had sort of more reliable cars. Um, in my young adult years, in my uni years, my cars weren't as reliable. But one of them was a whole bunch of fun. I had this little, um, which actually came initially from Pastor Natalie's brother, um, this little three-cylinder Suzuki Swift. Absolutely a fantastic car. Uh, Matt had it for a while, and then he got 
um, inherited a, a Celica, which went a lot faster. And so he had that. And then I, I wrote my car off by running a Falcon into another Falcon and taking two of them out at the one time. And, and so I had provision, and, and so I ended up with a three-cylinder Suzuki Swift, which was a great little car. And uh, we, it, it finished off doing wonderful things for the youth ministry because we played some great games with it. I think we fit 19 people into it at one point and um, played some wonderful games about how many people can we fit in. But it wasn't just how many people we can fit in. You actually had to then get your team to push it and steer it into a car park and back out. So you needed some control still over it. Um, one of the kids had had baked beans that day and it was just an amusing little scenario uh, that happened out no, it wasn't Matt. No, it was pricey. But... <laughs> a bunch of fun. But um, during that time, there was one point where I lent the car to somebody else who was taking a bunch of youth kids down the beach. Um, they didn't understand how much oil a car should take. And so they poured four liters into my car, thinking this was a normal thing. Um, needless to say, the head blew during the time, and so I blew up an engine. So that... what do you do when you see that? How do you respond to those situations? Oh, stinking car. Everything's against me. The world hates me. Of course this is going to happen because it just doesn't work out for me. Nothing works. Nothing runs well. Well, I actually had a mate who um, hadn't been around church in a long while who was um, an apprentice mechanic. So I went, okay, my engine's blown up. I still need to get transport. So I called my mate. And um, we, we spent some time fixing the engine together and putting the engine back in and, and doing it all up. And guess what? He came back to church as a result of it. We ended up living together for years and, and um, still in the kingdom and still doing great things for the kingdom of God. But what, how do we view things when they happen? Do we have that view? Do we possess that defeated spirit that everything's against us and going against us, but a, 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 a different spirit says we can do this. We are able to make it something good is going to come. See, this is the one of the things. To understand this, we need to know the promises of God. Caleb understood that for 600 years, God had been speaking to the Israelites, this is where you're going to live. This house is going to be your house. This is going to be your possession. He'd heard it from a kid. He'd grown up. He was 40 years old by this point. He'd heard it for 40 years drummed in that one day we're not going to have whips at our back and be pushing big stones around. One day we're going to have our own land. We're going to have our own place. And so he'd heard this and ran with it. But I can guarantee those other ten had just ignored it. Do we know the promises of God? Why is it important to read our Bible? So we know the promises. So we can call upon them and claim them and, and, and build them in there. I was talking just before about uh, one of our people who's, who's called upon that and seeing their son come back into the, the kingdom of God, which is absolutely wonderful. Which leads me to the third thing. That different spirit people. And this is something that I, uh, that I think just really is something that's been set in my mind free. We have a possession mentality. We have a possession mentality. Different spirit of people have a possession mentality. See, before the Israelites actually got into the promised land, they were as every teenager would just love to be. Every morning, they woke up, and there were pancakes outside their tent. Every night, just before they went to bed, KFC rocked up on their doorstep. Now, the Bible calls it manna and quails, but I'm just understanding this in our context. 
So that uh, pancake parlor in the morning and, and KFC, every night this rocked up. In the daytime, they're in the desert. It's a hot place. They had air conditioning walk around with them in this great big pillar of cloud. At nighttime in the desert, it gets very cold. They had a great big pillar of fire in the center of camp to keep them warm. Climate control just happened for them. Oh my goodness, how good would that be this summer? Just having that. So every day they had the provision of God, the miracle provision of God was just natural around them. And yet, when they walked into the promised land, that all stopped. The moment they crossed there and started taking possession, it all stopped. Why? Because they didn't need it anymore. See, here's the thing. So often we we want the miracle provision of God. God, just give me a million bucks so I can pay my house off and I can pay my car off and, and just let me, give me the numbers for the lottery. I don't know if you follow people who win the lottery, but generally a year later they're broke. And see, what happens is if we sit there and always just want the miracle to come through, the miracle, and we have that, really that victim mentality that everything's against me. I'm not going to be able to make it. I just need a miracle to get me out of this. I just need something to pull me out of this. All of a sudden, that miracle's not enough, and we need something else. We need another miracle to get me out. I, I, it's never enough. See, God doesn't want us just to go, and, and I'm not saying anything against miracles. Miracles are fantastic. I love when the supernatural hand of God works. I believe for miracles. I pray for miracles. I'm excited. There's people around in our church who are just walking in miracles right now and, and just seeing those miracles manifest inside them in their bodies. There's others that are believing for miracles and we're believing for them with miracles in their bodies and healing and relationships and all sorts of things. That's really neat and it happens and it's the kingdom of God. But He doesn't want us just relying on his hands. He wants us to actually know his promises and then go, I'm getting that, God. If you've said it, you're going to pay for it and and I'm going to actually grab hold of that and live it and walk in that thing. See, the Israelites, they knew that God had promised this place for them and they took possession of it and then all of a sudden they didn't need pancakes and quail to rock up because they were able to do their own farming. They were able to build their own houses. They didn't need a fire and a cloud to walk around with them. They were able to be provided for by their own hands because they had possession of the promise. See, it's one really neat thing. When I was 17, um, first time I came to church, we were next door, and I was in a point in my life where I'd been following Jesus and, but hadn't really been living it. And then all of a sudden, we had someone who just walked strongly and prophetic, said, oh, I really wanted to pray for you. She spoke everything into my life that I was thinking. Everything, it was like a slap in the face, a miracle slap in my face, where God just pointed out my heart. And I'm like, great, I needed that to get back on track. That is really awesome. They're really great when those things happen, but imagine if that's what we had to do every week, get a miracle slap of God. We would never take any ground. I'm so grateful. I don't need that miracle slap of God now. Why? Because I've got possession of the relationship and I know how to walk in intimacy continually. We, we don't need to keep... Different spirit of people have a possession. I, I really feel strongly on this. We need to take possession of the promises. Walk in it so that we can be the miracle for others around us. And I've got a whole bunch of other stuff I want to talk about, but... Let me just say this, number four. 
I just finish on this point. See, in there where it's talking, God's talking about Caleb, he says he has a different spirit and he followed me wholeheartedly. Fully followed me. Or another way of saying that is followed fully. See, different spirit of people, they, they give everything to God. They don't just hold back. Okay, God, yep, I'm going to, um, on Sundays between 9 and 10, I'm going to follow you. The rest of the week, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing it my way. Uh, what, what do I need? Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm prepared to actually give some time to you. I'm prepared to read my Bible. I'm prepared to talk with people about you. But no, not giving you any money. My money's mine. I'm going to buy with it what I want. Okay, no, God, I'm, I'm going to give you these. Different spirit of people don't hold anything back. It is everything in the whole way in. Sometimes these things aren't easy. See, Caleb saw everything. He saw the fortified cities. He saw the giants and everything. He didn't know how God was going to come through. But he said, you can do it. You know, we have a um, wonderful foundation in this place. Absolutely wonderful foundation. Pastor Bruce and Joan have just walked this. Just walked this their entire lives. Just fully following. Got to a point and, and most of us know the story, we got to a point as a church where we no longer fitted with the denomination we were in. We no longer fitted in the mold. We no longer fitted with the model. We no longer fitted with what the leadership was saying. The leadership was saying, we're going this way. And, and where Pastor Bruce and saw, uh, Joan saw and the elders saw, they saw, well, actually, God's over here for us. And so they had a, a big choice to make at that point. And, and for the congregation, well, it meant one thing. Instead of hanging out down at Carbrook, it meant, well, we're going to drive a little bit less and we're actually going to meet in Shaler Park. That's great. We're going to save some fuel. For the people in the congregation, it was, it was, it was a fairly easy thing. They, they went there one Sunday, all got up, walked out, and then met actually in the Chatswood room that Sunday night. But for Pastor Bruce and Joan, it wasn't just that simple thing. And they'd never say this and they'd never share it, and so I can because... I can honor them because this was their income. They had house and mortgage and a couple of great children that they were looking after and raising up. So this cost them. They didn't know if they were going to get paid the next week. It actually did cost them quite significantly financially through the whole thing. It cost them. Pastor Bruce had a very strong reputation very strong reputation in the denomination. It cost him personally, massively, in the reputation. He didn't consider that something to hold on to, but he, he just went, no, I'm going to follow where God's, where God's leading and what God's doing. It, it, it cost them time, and, and it cost them a stable, secure network and going, well, we're still going to do this thing that God's got. All of a sudden, the supports were all gone. It was not a denomination to call on. They're now out on their own, fighting and establishing and, and setting up. And, and I'm telling you, setting up business on their own while still caring for a whole flock who are now, a whole bunch of people who are now a little bit, oh my goodness, where are we landing and where's this all falling? And still keeping strong in the midst of that, like values, security. People who fully follow different spirit. We're, we're a church that has been built on different spirited people. 
And um, this year, God's saying that over us. He just wants us to be a people with a different spirit. Would you stand with me for a moment? I just um, one of the things that I, as we're preparing this, I know some of us come from places where uh, families where walking in a negative spirit could be the normal, or families where walking in a victim spirit can be the normal thing, and. I just want to release on us tonight just that aspect to walk in in a different, walk in a, when I say different spirit, really we're talking about a spirit whose origin is in heaven and bringing about nothing of this world but it's all found in him. Father, we just come tonight. We just come to you tonight, Lord, and recognize and hear your voice saying over us, Lord, that for us to actually be in the place and be the people you want us to be and be the church you want us to be, Lord, we need to be a people who actually possess a different spirit, who have a difference inside us, who you declare from heaven and speak over there is my servant. They have a different spirit. They follow me wholeheartedly and they'll possess the promise. Lord, and so we just ask right now for your presence, just to dwell in us so deeply, Lord, to manifest itself through us and to shape us. Lord, we ask that your image would be formed on the inside of us in such a way that it can't help but jump on the outside and jump through us and everything we say, do, and think. Now, this thought might be for you. So I just want to cut off and say, maybe you're here and you just need to place your hand on your heart, but I, I just want to just ask God, Lord, we just ask that you would just deliver us right now. Deliver us right now, Father. We just cut off. Lord, those, those spirits inside us, that, that negative spirit that might be affecting some here tonight, we just cut off that in the name of Jesus. Lord, and we just declare and speak over a positive confession. Lord, where our minds and where our spirit would recognize the negative and what's wrong and what's not going well, Lord, we just release, Lord, a positive confession. Lord, we ask your forgiveness for that. Lord, we just cut off, Lord, a victim mentality in Jesus' name. If you need to claim that tonight, just claim that. We just cut off a victim mentality in Jesus' name, recognizing that, yeah, the world might be against me, but you're for me, Lord. If my God is for me, who could be against me, Lord? You are working in our favor, Lord. We ask you to reveal to us your promises. You place yourself deep inside us and that we would follow you fully. Man. Man, maybe you're here and you need actually someone just to pray with you on those things. Love to do that. Love to join with you and do that. Why don't the worship team come and we'll do a, a song and just let the Holy Spirit just solidify and uh, do inside you what He needs to do.